Our philosophy was just fail fast. The decisions about major investments were made slowly. Welcome to this compilation episode of the Levers for Change podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Gio. As much as we are in a hurry to see change, being thoughtful about it can pay dividends in the long term. Balancing out these two forces takes real leadership. So who will win the race? The sustainability tortoise or the clean tech hare? Let us see how our season one guests grappled with the decisions placed in front of them. A decision that seems to have the support of the team, because remember, you very rarely do these things solo. You have a team of people that you talk to and you have the overall support of the team is a much easier decision to take than something where there is a lot of dissonance or dissent. That was Shilpa Patel of ClimateWorks talking about her experiences at the World Bank and the International Finance Corporation. Decisions can be made fast if all of the stakeholder engagements have already occurred. That was a running theme across the podcast series. Stephen Klein, former CEO of Snohomish PUD, defined his autonomy as what was within the strategic plan. I could definitely operate within the bounds of the budget and the strategic plan. I believed and followed through on it very strongly to be on the same page with the board. So therefore, I put together a strategic plan that wasn't just grand platitudes. It actually had specific targets and statements of position on things so that I would have the flexibility. And then when we set the budget up, I would go to the board and explain how this budget I presented to them carries out this strategy. Some decisions happened surprisingly fast, as Jackie Drumheller of Alaskan Airlines relayed in the removal of plastic straws from the airline. Removing plastic straws from people's cups, it's almost overnight. It was so simple. Wow. Yeah. It was just like, hey, no, that's a great idea. Yeah, no, this is good timing. Let's do it. Okay. Let's use up our stock and then we're done. Okay. Yeah, once we finally decided that now was the time, because we've been tossing it around, tossing around, never really said, let's do it. And when we said, let's do it, we just did it. Even then, there was consensus among the stakeholders of what to do. Rich Sonstily, former CEO of Puget Sound Energy, believed in the power of teams. Well, the decisions that had to be made quickly, and therefore were, had to do with getting the right people in the right place. And, and you know, the any utility executive, whether at the CEO level or, or the managerial level or vice president level, whatever, is only is going to be effective as his or her subordinates are effective. I mean... CEO's ability to, quote, get things done is relatively limited. You get things done through others. The thing that had to be done relatively quickly all the time was to get the right people into the right jobs. If, if there were people that had to be removed uh, in the utility industry, you did that rather gently, but you had to do it. You had to get the right people in place. And those, I think people make mistakes in all kinds of companies, including utilities, when they sit there and watch non-performance and don't do anything about it. Brewster Earl of Comfort Systems 
reflected that the executives had much autonomy in making fast decisions that was within the scope of the company. Our philosophy was just fail fast. If something comes in, we would get the right people in the room. We'd have at it for whatever it took, an hour, two, three, about an opportunity to make some changes and make some decisions. Everybody would get the chance to present their perspective. And then collectively, we would decide. And if we were going to make a decision, we were going to go as fast as we possibly could and then adjust what happened going forward. If, if there was a change and it didn't work out the way we thought, we'd simply reassess. We literally just took the hit, said, okay, that was a mistake. We're going to stop doing that. So what are the limits to this autonomy? Is the mantra always to make fast decisions? Of course not. So when are decisions to be made intentionally slow? Brewster? The actual situation in a large corporation like that was, who else might this impact? If this could have uh, any kind of negative impact on an operating company, another a sister operating company, or even reflect poorly on comfort, if we were taking that kind of risk, we would move very slowly and we'd engage a whole bunch of people to get other opinions, particularly those who might be impacted. Thus, if fast decisions happen because the consensus was already built, it is the consensus building process that should take a long time. Rich Sonstily elaborates further. The decisions about major investments were made slowly. They were made slowly both because the investments tended to be so large, which they are with utilities. Utility boards tend to be conservative by their nature and should be. They should be people who ask tough questions, who don't readily venture out in new ventures. And you've got all these parties, as we've been talking about, to convince that this makes sense. You don't just jump into these investments when you could have regulators decide they were imprudent and you'll never return, recover your costs. Things like that are what bring utilities to bankruptcy or other things. And when stakeholder agreements require the entire company's participation, decisions might seem super slow. Sabrina Watkins noticed this when running sustainability at ConocoPhillips. When you think about the sustainability of the company is the whole company. There's, in some sense, a lot of autonomy in a sustainability group because you have a function that you're responsible for called sustainability. And then if you look at it a different way, there's no autonomy whatsoever because in order to actually get anything done, it requires action by folks outside of the group. To actually move the company forward in sustainability requires the action of people all over the company. Slow and steady wins the sustainability race. Karen Wayland mentioned the Quadrennial Energy Report as an example. It is a massive report published by the Department of Energy that reviews the energy issues across the entire United States. Well, I think the Quadrennial Energy Review. So it took us not quite two years to do this big interagency bill where we did we had hundreds of different research projects with the national labs that fed in and were synthesized and written and uh, and we had many 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 interagency meetings and meetings with the White House and stakeholders and that was a long 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 process the end result was you know a really incredible report that, that I'm very proud of being able to have been part of and that ended up turning into legislation that was signed by the president so you know that it was worth doing it right and doing it really comprehensively. Sustainability is a long-term goal. Jameson Morell of Jacobs Engineering 
reminds us to keep an eye on the ball, even when no one else is paying attention to the sustainability game. Where it's really slow, I think, would be in some of the areas where we sort we sort of stall. So the the pressure has changed, or progress has been made just good enough. These are long term risks that certainly impact the bottom line, and sometimes in those in the business cycles we sort of stall out. And so it's the ability to have the patient to say, okay, we've got a good strategy, we've got a good plan, we understand we need to address that. It's just the wrong time. There's a different material risks that are more pertinent right now to survive as a company. And so it's trying not to lose sight of those. It's trying to say, okay, you know, these are still a priority, but we're gonna table them this year. Steve Klein, you get the last word. It's about expectation setting of any decision, regardless of whether it's fast or slow. I think the key to any CEO is you never want to surprise your board. You always want to bring board along. And I I follow that same theory, even in terms of when problems arose. And some people thought I was foolish or silly to do this, but I even did it when I was an early supervisor and manager before I was the CEO. But when a significant problem would come up, I would go to my boss and I would say, I've just become informed of this significant problem. And I knew what the first thing, even before they could get out of the mouth, I say, here is the plan I intend to implement to address this. And I will keep you appraised if these milestones aren't met. And that way, what I got out of that is they don't find out about it from somebody else. They know I'm on top of it already and dealing with. So if their boss comes to them and says, hey, I've heard you got this problem, so don't worry about it. In summary, take your time in building a stakeholder group correctly. It will help you sprint faster and with a stronger mandate if you do. To find out more, visit us at www.loversforchangepodcast.com and look for the What If Sandbox retreats. It is here where stakeholders meet and collaborate across many cleantech sectors. Thanks again for listening to this compilation episode. Again, my name is Jimmy Gia. The music is by Sean Hart. I hope the advice given by the experts will help you in your journey as you search for your levers for change. Music